Welcome back, ladies, gentlemen, and all my other adventurers out there. This is the Drunk DM's Demystified Survival Guide, where we talk all things dungeon mastering in our favorite way over a drink. My name is Brendan, the Drunk DM, and today we're going to be doing a few things. Actually, we're not going to be doing a few things. We're going to be doing one thing. We're going <laughs> to be reviewing the most recent Unearthed Arcana that was released by Wizards of the Coast. Now, if that sounds like a bunch of gibberish and garbage to you, that's okay. It's, uh, <laughs> if you're new to D&D, all of those phrases I just said, it's very likely that they are not common to you. But don't worry, we're going to be going over it in just a second. But before we do that, I am going to introduce you to one of my favorite drinks that you can possibly make. And yes, I did say you can make because today we're not doing a beer. We're actually going to be doing our first cocktail episode. I kind of alluded to this in the past and it has come to fruition. What did I make for us today? Well, today I made a margarita. A perfect margarita, as some might call it. All this is is two parts tequila. I chose Espanita tequila. This is a Añejo, 100% pure agave. You want to make sure that your tequilas are 100% pure agave. Otherwise, you're just not getting the bang for your buck. Um, you also want to make sure that it's ethically sourced, of course. And this one just so happens to be. So that's your quick tequila lesson there's so much on spirits that i have not even scratched the surface on but i do know that if you're buying cheap tequila you are doing it wrong that's what everybody tells me and i believe it because any cheap tequila i've ever gotten has uh tasted like a hangover now going forward from that it's two parts tequila and then one part any type of orange liqueur i found um some people will say you definitely want a cointreau some people will definitely say triple sec the way to go i just i just find any orange liqueur kind of works okay and it gives your margarita a different uh, flavor profile depending. For me, I chose a local company actually. It's Tipplers Orange Liqueur. This is a 52 proof uh, liqueur out of St. Petersburg, Florida. They choose all local farmers for their product and it's actually it's a it's a like a mid-shelf price for it. So, I find it it's very pleasant to drink even straight. And then so that's two parts tequila. One part orange liqueur Cointreau triple sec, and then one part lime juice. For me, just for funsies, I usually put like one slice of grapefruit juice in my or in my margaritas, just because it's I like the taste of grapefruit. That's completely optional. You don't have to do it, but it's something fun for me. So you do all that. You put all that in a shaker full of ice. You want it really chilly. Shake that bad boy up as hard as you can and then usually for me i just dump the entire contents of the shaker into a glass and then top with ice just pack the rest of it with ice just to keep it cool and also in my shaker i usually throw some of those lime wedges in and just keep it in the glass it's just with margaritas just throw it all in there it'll be fine sometimes i even put gummy bears in there because you know gummy bears are my favorite thing in the whole entire world but uh yeah <laughs> you can do whatever you want um with this recipe as you'll notice there's no like actual simple syrup or sugar added directly into the shaker that orange liqueur whatever you're using will probably have some added sugars in it already but it will still be fairly dry when you pour it into your cup so i always rim with either sugar or salt it just kind of cuts that bracing alcohol thing that you get sometimes 
and uh, it's pretty nice. Uh, my preference is salt, just because I, I love how the flavors kind of work together, but uh, you can use whatever whatever suits your fancy. Anyway, that's my margarita. I'm giving it a little sip. Oh man, that's so good. Yeah, you know, it is a little sweeter than I gave it credit for with that orange liqueur. I will say without the salt, it would be a completely different experience. Let me try a side with no salt. Yeah, just straight up completely different. With grapefruit, if you are going to do it the way I do it, just use a small slice. You don't need a lot of it because grapefruit is an extremely strong flavor and you want just a hint of it if you do want it at all, right? Because you want that lime to be most prevalent. But anyway, that's that's all there is to it. Pretty simple drink. If you don't have a shaker, use a mason jar with a lid, use a plastic bag, use whatever until you can find a shaker. If you, if you are doing like a bar thing at home, I'd, I'd say a shaker is, is a must-have, but if you're only making a drink every every month or so, you don't need one. Find whatever you have available to you and use that. Alrighty, moving away from the alcohol, we're going to get into this Unearthed Arcana. It is super interesting. We're only going to be doing the Bard College of Spirits, but before we get into that, I did promise you I would define what I said originally. Originally, I said Wizards of the Coast released a new Unearthed Arcana, and I said that that probably sounds weird to some of you. Totally cool. When I first joined the D&D community, those things would be completely strange to me. Wizards of the Coast uh, put out games such as Magic the Gathering, if you've heard of that, and of course Dungeons and Dragons. Essentially anything that has the name Dungeons and Dragons slapped on it is a Wizards of the Coast product. Now D&D Beyond has some exclusive deals with Wizards of the Coast, if you're familiar with D&D Beyond. We won't get into all of that because we would be here for literally ever. But just so you know, Wizards of the Coast is the company that puts out all of the official D&D texts. So the Player's Handbook, Dungeon Master's Guide, uh, Monster Manual, Bolo's Guide to Monsters, Xanathar's Guide to Everything, those are all Wizards of the Coast products. Now what is Unearthed Arcana? Unearthed Arcana is like candy for Dungeon Masters, anyone who is into theory crafting, any D&D player who really digs into lore. Unearthed Arcana is essentially unofficial material that Wizards of the Coast has put out that is meant to be tested by DMs and players and groups before it goes into an official D&D book, right? So before Xanathar's Guide to Everything came out, a lot of the subclasses and options available in that book first went through Unearthed Arcana and was play-tested by many different groups, and then the feedback was sent to Wizards of the Coast, and Wizards of the Coast tweaked improved, changed, or completely deleted the Unearthed Arcana until it was ready to be publicized for players and dungeon masters to use, right? One of the fun things that you'll find on a lot of D&D podcasts or YouTube channels are Unearthed Arcana reviews. And I think I'm going to go ahead and take a crack at one myself just because I found this one recently and it and it was just so freaking cool. This Unearthed Arcana has two subclasses. It features the College of Spirits Bard. It's a new bard subclass that learns stories from spirits, right? 
super freaking cool. Then the warlock subclass is the undead, which is a new warlock subclass whose patron is an undead being. This sounds super cool, especially I find the demon lore in Dungeons and Dragons particularly interesting. So having a patron that is Orcus would fit into this undead warlock subclass very easily, right? Um, and I find that a super cool warlock class option. But today we're not going to get into the warlock because we're going to be focusing on the bard specifically. There's a lot to unpack here and I have a drink in hand and who knows how long this is going to take. If you want a full bard breakdown, gotta let me know. That's a lot of work and I need to know if somebody wants it. So until then, I'm not going to go through the bard class from start to finish. I'm just going to go over the abilities and things that you get from the College of Spirits. Later on, maybe we can we can see how this uh, plays in with some of the other bard abilities. But for now, just going to go over what's in Unearthed Arcana. And you can find this yourself on the D&D um, website, dnd.wizards.com slash articles slash unearthed dash arcana. You'll find all the Unearthed Arcana stuff you want there. But going through this, so this is called College of Spirits, obviously. And it kind of, it's all about drawing on stories from the past, right? All about reaching out to souls that have have gone on from this plane and and taking their stories because those are the most powerful right which is pretty interesting first ability is guiding whispers this is what you get at third level since that is when every bard gets their college so guiding whispers what does it get you so you can reach out to spirits to guide you and others you learn the guidance cantrip which doesn't count against your cantrip number, so it doesn't count against how many cantrips you know, and instead of being a touch-based spell, it has a range of 60 feet. This is interesting. It kind of reinforces that support nature that bards usually have. Um, I notice a lot of times in, in my game, in other games that I've seen online, that the bard kind of hangs back and casts those bardic inspirations from behind everybody and casts support spells, that sort of thing. This will allow you to stand far back and continue to cast Guidance. Now, Guidance as a spell is kind of tricky it takes an action to cast and it only counts for one ability check right so attack rolls no good saving throws no good ability checks okay right so in combat guidance isn't a perfect spell to use so that 60 foot range is still kind of iffy as to how beneficial it is versus just getting the guidance spell it takes an action to cast which means based on your dm's ruling it could be completely useless if an ability check sneaks up on you what do i mean by that so an action kind of Mm, loosely takes like four to six seconds to do so if you're in the middle of a conversation with somebody and let's say i'm trying to convince you of something like this item is 10 feet away from you when it's really all the way across the continent or whatever and your dm says okay make a deception check or make a persuasion check in that instance, as a DM, for me, I would rule against being able to add guidance to that because you didn't specify that before the conversation took place, you cast guidance. So you have to kind of be prepared that an ability check is coming up 
and that's the perfect place to cast it. Solving a puzzle, or like for my players, they're currently in hell, or they just kind of got out of hell, but they might be going back. It's confusing, but <laughs> essentially they've been in hell for a while, and they constantly run into devils who are um, giving them contracts to read and sign, making deals if they're ever going to get favors from a devil. And each contract requires them to make an intelligence check to see if they can kind of navigate that legalese that devils tend to use and figure out exactly what the bargain is saying. So if my players are going into discussions with the devil or whatever, my fairy druid, Leafla, can cast Guidance to give an extra d4 to the intelligence check that they know is coming up when they read the contract. It's a perfect use for that Guidance ability. Now, think of it in this terms when essentially they just give the Guidance cantrip with a 60-foot range. Why would Leafla ever be 60 feet away from the group making this bargain? If she knew it was coming up, wouldn't she just fly in over there, touch whoever's reading the contract, and give them guidance? It's interesting, and it does call into question just how useful that 60-foot range is. Now, that's not to say that in very clutch situations, 60 feet range on a guidance cantrip can literally save your party, but I would assume that those situations are very few and far between. Now, bards don't get guidance as a cantrip to select usually, which is nice. I mean, guidance is a pretty decent spell to have, but is it a game changer giving it a 60 foot range? I don't think so. I think this is a really cool flavor to give to some bards. I don't think this was meant to mechanically alter the way that bards play the game. It's wonderful flavor element. It's a very cool flavor element, I think, actually. Kind of seeking on the guidance of stories that spirits tell you. Um, spirits have more experience than you and things. What a wonderful way to portray that in the giving bards the guidance spell. I think it's really wonderful, but I just, I don't think mechanically it is a extremely beneficial thing to gain as a bard, which is fine because you do get some other cool stuff at third level. Now, before I move away from guidance, I just want to say this. Uh, it doesn't really support my argument, but it is very important to note about the guidance spell. Players ask a lot on like forums that I see or me personally, can I recast the guidance spell every minute of every day to make sure that all of this one creature's ability checks have a d4 added to it? Mechanically, yes, you can. Now, a few things to note. A lot of times players forget that it is a touch-based spell, so you need to constantly be touching somebody. Um, a lot of players forget that it is a one-creature spell, so it only works on one person at a time. And then finally, what a lot of people forget is that this is a semantic and verbal spell, which means you need to be making a motion as well as speaking something to cast the spell. What this means is that if a player is constantly keeping this spell up, they are making a weird hand movement and muttering to themselves every minute on the minute. If you're playing an OCD character who 
um, makes repeated actions or that's just part of who you are, you know what? I think casting the guidance spell repeatedly every minute is a very interesting character choice. Now that doesn't apply to how most people want to play their character. If your confident bard is walking about town with their high charisma and they want everybody to like them, muttering under their breath and making weird hand motions every minute on the minute is not a great way to do that. If you kind of get what I'm saying, casting a spell every minute is a bit impractical for most character builds. Not to say that you can't do it, but as a DM, it, so like I should just speak for my tables. If you're telling me this is what I'm doing is casting this spell every minute, I will make sure that my NPCs notice that you do that and treat you differently because of it. So if you're not prepared for that at my table at least, then maybe just try to cast it when you know an ability check is coming up. If your DM is fine with it, then it, it's, it's up to them. Again, DMs have the final say. I'm telling you how I would rule it. If your DM kind of rules it unfairly or nerfs the spell or doesn't allow you to do it like that, maybe just direct them to this podcast and just say hey this guy had this weird opinion about guidance spells now i've talked about guidance way too long we are talking about the college of spirits so we're going to move on to the next ability this ability is called spiritual focus interesting ability so at third level you get essentially nothing that's correct essentially nothing <laughs> um you get some expanded ways to interpret a spellcasting focus, essentially. It allows you to use a candle, a crystal ball, a talking board, which I'm assuming is like a Ouija board, a Taroka deck, maybe like a, like tarot cards. Um, yeah, tarot cards, right? Taroka deck? That sounds right. I, is tarot short for Taroka? Interesting. No idea. Or lastly, a skull as your spellcasting focus interesting flavor items i think it's very cool it, it really fits this class i'll just straight up be honest with you i with spellcasting focuses i let my players have free reign if they wanted any of these items as their spellcasting focus i would have allowed them to um regardless of the spellcasting class that they play or what bard subclass they play other dms might rule differently and if you're all about having a skull that casts that you cast spells through then you need to take this class if it, if that's how it works at your table this also levels up when they hit six levels so stay tuned for that finally the third third level ability you get in the college of spirits is tales from beyond and if i've seen a bit down about this unearthed arcana up until this point first of all i'm right no i'm just kidding um but first of all i would say i'm not super wrong right <laughs> about my opinions thus far but once you hit tales from beyond all of that changes now before i go forward i i do want to say that whether or not this ability is super effective and powerful whether or not it's not effective at all i don't really care because it is one of the coolest abilities i've seen on any class ever tales from beyond you reach out to spirits who tell their tales through you while you are holding your spiritual focus 
you can use a bonus action to expend one use of your bardic inspiration and roll on the spirit's table using your bardic inspiration die. You retain the tail in mind until you bestow the tail's effect or you finish a short or long rest. You can use an action to choose one creature you can see within 30 feet of you, and they are the target of the tail's effect. Once you do so, you can't bestow the tail's effect again until you roll it again. You can retain only one of these tails in mind at a time, and rolling on the, sp the spirit's tails table immediately ends the effect of the previous tail. Any DC equals your spell save DC. Lot, lot, lot to unpack here. Essentially how this works in-game, use a bonus action and you roll your bardic inspiration die. Now this levels up with you as you go through the game, as you level up your character, right? So bardic inspiration starts at a d6 and then it goes up to a d8, then a d10, and finally a d12. This table goes from 1 to 12 and the effects are they're bonkers so like just reading through a couple of them tales of the tale of the beast gives somebody advantage on wisdom an advantage on attack rolls against a creature if another enemy is within five feet of it moving forward we got tale of the warrior you recount the story of a renowned duelist make a melee spell attack against the target as an attacking spectral warrior briefly appears in an unoccupied space within five feet of the target before vanishing on a hit they take force damage equal to two rolls of your bardic inspiration die plus your charisma modifier. Freaking awesome. You can re you can give people more healing. You can give people temporary hit points. You can you can turn people invisible. I mean the options are endless. Now, originally when I read this ability, I thought that you needed to pick somebody and then roll and then the effect takes place. But no, you use a bonus action to roll your bardic inspiration. It gives you what the effect is and then you hold on to that until you release it as an action. So this changes every single time. So let's say you roll, you know what? I'm just gonna roll and I'm gonna pretend I'm a level 15 bard and I'm going to roll a d12. So I got an 11. So let's scroll down to the 11 on this table. Celestial, you speak of the exalted deeds of a celestial. Target regains hit points equal to two rolls of your bardic inspiration die plus your bard level. And you end one disease or condition from the following list affecting the target. Blinded, deafened, paralyzed, petrified, or poisoned. So I carry that around with me until I see that somebody needs healing or somebody's affected by one of these various ailments. And then I rolled 2d12 for my bardic inspiration. I got a 12 plus my plus my bard level, 15. That's what, 27 healing to somebody. And then they're also no longer deafened, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, or blinded. How freaking awesome is that? Then my next bonus action, I roll again. I use a bonus action to roll one more time. And again, this is a uh, healing tale uh, called Friends that uh, you can heal two people within five feet of each other. Your bardic inspiration die plus your charisma modifier. I mean, 
it's it's really an extremely interesting ability and something that i i haven't really seen something like this in any other class a lot of work went into uh, making this table specifically and i really i really hope that this is added in some form in a an official publication just because it's so freaking cool. Now the other abilities in this class, I don't know if they hinder or or help the likelihood that this becomes an official subclass for the bards. That is just kind of up to playtesting. And also the effect of this particular ability, Tales from Beyond, is up to playtesting because it's kind of all over the place. There's 12 different tales for your bard to tell here, and there's no telling if one is super OP and just wrecks the game. I mean, it's there's a lot to unpack and and no amount of me mulling it over in my brain is going to uh, give you an official answer of whether this is an OP class or something that is just kind of lackluster. My opinion of this is that either Tales from Beyond is super OP or a perfect addition to a publication or another fun bard party trick that they can whip out and people say oh that's neat and then sleep on. So it could go a lot of different ways i really hope if you're in a position where you can introduce this unearthed arcana in your game please do it is super interesting if i was in a position where i could play in a in a game and be a college of spirits bard i totally would but please let me live vicariously through you Take this class and, and tell me how it goes. Very interested. That being said, we're, we're going to come back to that. Then at 6th level, you get your new abilities. So going back up to our spiritual focus, this says that when you cast a bardic spell that deals damage or heals somebody, you can add 1d6 as a bonus to that roll. So as, it, as it's written right now, it looks like there is no cap to this. So you just, anytime you deal damage, anytime you heal, add D6, but only if you're casting the spell, right? So like this doesn't, this doesn't help you if you're using your Tales from Beyond. In a lot of ways, this reminds me of the Ranger's Colossal Slayer ability, which allows you to add 1d8 to damage against any creature that has taken damage, and that has no cap as long as the creature has taken damage, and then also like the Path of the Zealot Barbarian. That's 1d6 plus half your Barbarian level on your first uh, attack that hits. The difference here is that it's used for spells, and it also applies to healing spells. If you've played 5e extensively, you know that healing spells are not hard to come by or getting healing in your game, not super difficult to do. But at higher levels, the amount that you heal up is sometimes lackluster, sometimes just a little bit less than you need. That extra d6 could really help at higher levels. I find at my character's levels in, in the campaign that I run right now, they're all level six. So healing spells can oftentimes hit their hit their max HP or get them really close, right? So with this ability, the only change I would make to this is that, and of course I haven't played tested, so I don't really know how this works, but from my experience and from what I've seen and read and all that stuff, with this ability, I think they could have added the d6 to damage at 6th level and then the d6 to healing at a higher level. Instead of the phrasing at 6th level, you can use the d6 and you gain a bonus of one roll to spell equal to the number rolled for healing and damage. I would say at 
at six level, you can add that D6 to damage. And then at a higher level, let's say ninth level, you can also add the D6 to healing spells. I just think at sixth level, a lot of times adding a D6 isn't going to like put your healing over the edge. It's just like, oh, awesome. A healing spell has been thrown my way. I heal up max and then there's a D6 that's not used, right? I just, I, I really think that the healing was pulled back to a higher level. It could make that feel like more of a benefit as opposed to an add-on. The damage is always welcome, but the healing is going to be really appreciated at higher levels. That would be my only change to that, um, that ability there. Now, also at 6th level, you get the Spirit Session. Essentially what this does is it gives you, you, it gives you a spell from any other class that is Divination or Necromancy after you spend an hour in like a ritual with friends, right? Another interesting point to this is that if you're taking a short less, short less, short rest or long rest you can use this so it doesn't detract from your short rest or from your long rest this is kind of interesting it, it allows you every short rest or long rest or even in the middle of the day to to learn a new spell when whenever you want now this is restricted you can conduct the ritual with a number of creatures equal to your proficiency bonus the highest this goes is six so you can perform this ritual at 15th, uh, no, at 17th level, you can perform this ritual with six creatures. Now, the spell you choose must be of a level equal to the number of creatures that conducted the ritual or less. So the highest spell you can learn temporarily is a sixth level spell, and you need five other friends to conduct it five plus you being six this is an interesting mechanic i think it's kind of cool especially if your party is a smaller party of like three or four it will kind of require your party to maintain an ally of some sort or two allies of some sort almost all the time or at least readily available right it's very fun for dms to play with now as far as players i don't know how appealing this is to them just because it does add some level of difficulty other than that i mean some of the spells you can get are really cool magic magic jar create undead uh, a lot of those spells are awesome awesome spells to get but it it does come at some cost and i would love to see how that plays out Finally, at 14th level, um, your connection to spirits has become semi-permanent. This is Mystical Connection. Whenever you use your Tales from Beyond feature, you can roll a d6 and use it instead of expending a Bardic Inspiration die. A lot of times at these higher level um, benefits from your subclasses, you get something kind of like this that is just like an improvement on a previous ability that like is kind of lackluster. This Mystical Connection, it wouldn't deter me from taking the subclass, but it might prevent me from taking the bard class all the way up to 14th. You know what I mean? I might take it up to 13th and then switch on over and, and multi-class in something else just because it's not a huge benefit. It is a benefit, but not a huge one. Also, if, if you choose to roll your d6 and not your bardic inspiration die at 14th level, that means that you're giving up four options for your Tales from Beyond. 
you can only land on one through six and you won't get your seven through 12. Um, so it's just, it's really up to you. Some of those seven through 12 abilities, I mean, these things clearly ramp up as, as the numbers go up. So, you know, you're going to be missing out on some of those better Tales from Beyond abilities if you choose to use your D6 instead. Now, that's great if you're really saving your inspiration for something super cool or if you know you're gonna have like a like a skill challenge further on in this session great uh but otherwise not a super impressive not a super impressive ability i would certainly yeah i would certainly change that mystical connection to something else maybe have that and then some something in addition or boost your tales from beyond in another way somehow maybe just gaining another inspiration i don't know just seems like not enough to me at 14th level but anyway uh that's that's all you got from from this uh, subclass and i say all you got but really that tales from beyond feature is some of the dopest shit especially since a lot of the a lot of the tales require you to use your bardic inspiration die which of course levels up as you level up i really am impressed by the work that went into it and i really hope it doesn't die with unearthed arcana i mean that needs to be seen in the game somehow if if it needs tweaks and adjustments that's fine but like i'm dying i'm dying for for that ability specifically the rest of the abilities interesting super cool flavor except for that mystical connection don't know what went wrong there but like all the rest of them really really cool flavor to the bard class that you don't really get in any other way and also not only that but one thing i look for in a lot of these subclasses is how do they support the function of the main class I feel like with this, it really supports that support role that bards fall into a lot of the times. And I think it's one of the things that kind of sets bards apart, you know, like bards and clerics, they are the support characters a lot of the time. Of course, now the cleric is, is a bit more of a badass fighter character, but you know, I, I just, I really like how they handled it with the College of Spirits and I really hope it continues. College of Spirits, sign me up. I'm, I'm ready for that. Like, <laughs> you have no idea. So that's the bar, that's the Bard College of Spirits. Really excited for it. Really, really hope of all the Unearthed Arcana I've read, I really hope this becomes a thing. Let me know if you think the same. Again, if, if you want to reach out to me, you can email me, drunkdmpodcast at gmail.com. Also, I should mention our YouTube channel, once again. Me and Chelsea do this fun little video game thing on YouTube called Crossed Wires. If you look up Crossed Wires Crash Bandicoot playthrough, probably going to find it. It's it's silly, it's fun, it's just us failing miserably at Crash and making goofs about it. But um, that's all I got for you today. Uh, so next time we're going to be going over the Warlock patron, the Undead. It's going to be really interesting, really cool. I think you're going to like it. From what I've read thus far, it sounds like something I'm, I'm into. That's all I got for you. If you have a glass nearby, or really anything that you can drink or eat or sniff i don't know anyway if you have something nearby raise it why not uh and uh toes with me may misfortune always follow you and never catch up cheers and happy dming oh
Yeah, I'll make that contribute. That uh, I'll have that hot take. I would say I'm correct in this. Um, I th- I think that is the way that the guidance spell was meant to be, um, and that's why they they put that drawback of semantic and verbal. That's just my opinion. Please fight me on it because I I love I love having these kind of debate these kind of debates and and talks about it. But just know I will I, I will die on this horse. <laughs>